He woke in darkness, but someone had a light. Beside him, in the chair, someone was reading a letter by the beam of a wand. Harry couldn't see who it was. He sat up at once, disoriented, feeling urgently for his glasses. Here. Harry felt the glasses being stuck into his hand. Hurriedly, he fixed them to his nose, and the first clear sight that met him was Charlie Weasley, a massive, crooked grin stretched across his freckled face as he lighted the lamps in the guard station. Somehow, the sight cheered Harry. Hey, Charlie, he croaked. What time is it? Nine. You slept about twelve hours. Reckon you deserved it, doing what you did. Charlie's face went a bit more serious. You okay? Harry shrugged and changed the subject. I thought you lived in London now, with Bill. I do, but there's sort of a test being done. We're seeing what we can do with dragons, against the Dementors. Dragons, Harry repeated, swinging his legs off the cot and shaking the fog from his head. He needed to get back to Stagston. Nobody knew where he was. Yeah, Charlie answered earnestly. I think they may be very effective. Well, it was really my assistant's idea, but I agree. They've got a lot of natural energy, dragons. It could be the sort of thing that makes this 24-hour Patronus business obsolete. Harry nodded, not really listening. Hey, Charlie, did anybody tell Sirius or anyone that I was here? Charlie shook his head. Couldn't get to anyone from here. Moody's out dealing with everything on the island, and Sirius hasn't been up here since the move to Culperat. He's either in Wales or London, I expect. There's no fireplace in this hut for contact, and I was told not to disapparate and leave you by yourself under any circumstances. Harry tried to hide his irritation. He wished that Charlie had woken him and sent him home earlier. The last thing he wanted to deal with now was a house full of worry. Charlie seemed to read his mind. I'd have woken you, Harry, but Mum drilled into all of our heads last summer that we were not to disturb you if you were sleeping. He grinned again. She says you're too restless and you need quiet. Harry felt himself flush. Glad everyone knows my personal sleeping habits, he muttered, quite embarrassed to hear this description of himself from one of the older Weasley boys. But Charlie was unaffected. He clipped Harry on the arm. Come off it. You know Mum treats you just like us. We none of us have any secrets. Harry flushed again, embarrassed this time by the implied affection in Charlie's remark. Though being considered one of them wasn't unpleasant, being teased as if by an older brother was still unfamiliar territory for Harry. He ducked his head and pointed to Charlie's letter, changing the subject for the second time. Who's that from? It was Charlie's turn to turn a bit pink. Oh, it's not from anyone, he returned too casually, shoving the parchment into one of the myriad pockets of his broad dragon keeper's vest. You know, stuff for work. You'd, uh... Better get back to Stagsden before they go crazy trying to figure out where you are. Harry watched Charlie fidget and was tempted to remind him that none of them had any secrets, but he didn't feel quite up to a laugh, and Charlie was right. It was high time he was home. He thanked Charlie briefly for sitting with him, asked him to say goodbye to Moody, then grabbed up his firebolt and disapparated. He hoped both that he wasn't too tired to pull off the long trip without hurting himself and that no one at Lupin Lodge had gotten too upset in his absence. His first hope was realized the moment he opened his eyes and found himself standing safely in the middle of the cozy, firelit front room of Remus's house. His second hope was dashed a moment later. Harry! Oh my goodness! 
It was Hermione's cry, and she leapt from her chair by the fire to run across the room and flutter anxiously in front of him. Oh, Harry, what happened? At first, when you didn't come home, we thought something was Malfoy. Ron nearly went over there. And then Sirius went to find Oliver, but we still didn't know where you were, because Oliver didn't... And then a woman went to the pub to find Ron and tell him about the Dementor, and Goldie directed her to our house, and she came and told us what you did, and... Oh, don't ever do that! Hermione threw her arms around him and squeezed. Harry endured it for a moment, and then ducked out of her grasp. I'm okay, he said flatly. It wasn't a lie. He was, technically, unhurt. Harry, what happened to you? One of the players came over and said you'd chased a Dementor into the woods. Ron was at his side in a flash, Hermione's cry having summoned him more effectively than magic. He peered at Harry with equal anxiety. What went on? You okay? Sit down or something. You want something? Harry let himself be bustled into a chair by the two of them and tried not to get irritated. He knew that they still weren't over the war. When people had disappeared for two days during the war, the likelihood had been that they wouldn't be found alive. I'm okay, he repeated. I'm okay. I just want to go to bed. He stopped in mid-sentence. Sirius was standing in front of him, and Harry had never seen his godfather's face so furious, not even when he'd first confronted Wormtail in the Shrieking Shack after his escape from Azkaban. What the hell were you thinking? It was a demand. Harry found himself at a loss. He hadn't been thinking. There hadn't been time for thinking. There'd been nothing in his head except stopping the Dementor. Sirius should have known that. Sirius had been in the war. I was at the cannon's tryout, and a Dementor wandered onto the field. So somebody had to make sure it got driven back up to Azkaban, and I figured... You figured you wouldn't have anyone alert us. You figured you'd just disappear for two days and let us all wonder. Harry felt anger rising up in him. Sirius was being unfair. Look, it's not like I just ran off on some kind of holiday. There was something that needed to be done, and don't you ever, ever go off like that again without telling someone. What do you think you're on about, Harry? Sirius shook his head, his pale blue eyes darker than ever. All that girl could tell me was that you'd gone after a Dementor. Is that true? You spent the last two days alone with a Dementor? Harry clenched his jaw. He'd known that this wasn't going to go over well. Had to, he muttered, thinking that after all he'd just done, he was in no damn mood to be yelled at for it. What did you want me to do? Drive it over here and say hello first? I just did the first thing I thought of. I went north. There is always a way to let us know where you are. Like what? Harry challenged coldly. You tell me what you would have done. You went up to Azkaban to deal with the Dementors yourself, and you're the last person who should get near them. I am an adult, and what am I? You're barely 18. Harry gripped the arms of the chair, unable to find words for his anger. Finally, he managed, If you don't know by now that I'm not a child, then I can't talk to you. Sirius didn't answer. His demeanor had suddenly shifted away from fury. He continued to look at Harry, but he wasn't glaring now. His eyes were haunted. Hello, Harry. The calm greeting came from behind Sirius, and Harry's head snapped toward it. Remus was in the hallway, looking gravely at him. It is very good to see you, he said quietly. I'm glad you're safe. Do you need anything? 
Harry nodded and stood up, ignoring the sounds of worry from Ron and Hermione on either side of him. I need to go to bed, he said shortly. He brushed past Sirius and toward the stairs, wanting to get out of the room and escape the anxiety in it. His godfather's eyes clouded as they followed him, but Harry ignored that, too. Don't worry about the Quidditch tryouts, Ron called after him. Oliver knows what happened. We talked to him already. Harry spun around in horror at the mention of tryouts. He'd forgotten, once the Dementor had taken control of his thoughts, that there was such a thing as Quidditch. Disappointment coursed through him. He had missed two days of training and had probably been removed from the running. Oliver would never let him come back. But Sirius gestured vaguely toward the stairs, nodding his agreement with Ron. It's nothing to worry about. Go on up and rest, Harry. I'll contact Oliver. He just wants to know where you are. I'm sure you'll be back on the pitch by tomorrow, if that's what you want. It was on the tip of Harry's tongue to protest. He didn't want Sirius doing anything for him just now. He was an adult, and it was his own responsibility to deal with his problems. Yet he was still so bone-tired that he just couldn't bring himself to argue any more. And when Sirius repeated that he'd take care of things, a voice buried deep in the back of Harry's mind told him to go ahead and let Sirius do it. This was, after all, the sort of thing his father would be doing for him, if his father were alive. That was the point of a godfather. Harry felt his eyes water, and he turned away quickly, climbing up the stairs before he could start to think about his father, fearing that it might send his mind spiraling back into the sequence of nightmares he'd been living in for two days. He dragged his feet heavily upstairs to the second-floor corridor, staving off all thoughts of his parents and of the war. But he didn't have to fight his thoughts for very long. As he made his way toward his room, Harry's mind turned in a direction he hadn't expected. He stepped away from his own door and walked slowly back to the door of the girls' room instead. Ginny was the only occupant of the house that hadn't greeted him upon his return. He remembered how much he'd been looking forward to getting home from practice and telling her all about it. He wondered if she'd worried for him at all while he'd been gone. Harry stopped outside her door and hesitated, not sure why his feet had led him here or what he was about to do. He lifted his hand, perhaps to knock, but before he could choose a course of action, the door opened. Ginny stood there, staring at him, her dressing gown not even tied. The room behind her was a wreck of open books and what looked like scattered potions ingredients and ruined parchment. Ginny's own appearance was as disheveled as the room. Her eyes were swollen, her face was pale, and her bright hair fell down in tangles. A crumpled tissue stuck out of her white-knuckled fist. She looked like she'd caught a very nasty flu, and though Harry knew why she was so upset, he'd preferred to believe that the flu was the problem. "'Are you sick?' he asked her quickly. Her eyes did not leave his. "'No,' she said deliberately, not bothering to hide the tears in her voice. Harry suddenly felt the weight of his own disappearance. The gravity of it hadn't struck him when Sirius had given him an angry lecture, but it struck him now. He should have let someone know where he was going, regardless of the circumstances. He should have found a way. "'I didn't mean to worry anyone,' he heard himself say. "'I didn't think—' "'People still get terrified that you're not coming back,' Ginny interrupted sharply, her voice thick. She stared at him fiercely for another moment, then reached out her hand and touched his shoulder, as if testing to make sure he really existed. A barely audible cry escaped her when her fingers came into contact with his robes. She dropped her hand, stepped close to him, 
and silently buried her face in his neck. Harry stood, stunned. He felt her hands on his waist, felt her body fit softly against his. She took a deep breath, which pushed against his chest, and then she exhaled shakily on his skin. "'You're here,' she managed. It was though he had been electrocuted. Harry felt the hair rise up all over his body at the shock of being touched like this by her. He shivered violently, then slumped against Ginny, forgetting everything, allowing her to hold him up. "'I'm sorry,' he mumbled into her shoulder. "'I'm sorry.' "'No,' she protested, her voice choked and muffled on his neck. "'I know you didn't want to go. I know. I know.' Her arms were around him now, and she rocked him gently. Harry shut his eyes and let her do it, neither moving to hold her nor moving to fight. He was dimly surprised that she was able to support his weight. After a long time, Ginny raised her head. "'Come on,' she said quietly, pulling away from him and turning him toward his bedroom door. Without a word, she guided him to his bed, pulled back the blankets, and helped him to sit. Hedwig hooted fretfully from her perch in the corner, as if she, too, had missed him and worried about him. Harry sat, unmoving and exhausted, listening to bureau drawers open and shut as thoughts raced through his head. His body was warm where Jenny had been against him. The Dementor was back at Azkaban. Moody would take care of it. He didn't have to think about it. Jenny had left imprints on his back, where her hands had moved. Maybe Oliver would let him go back to the tryouts, if Sirius explained things. Sirius was getting too damned overprotective. And Ginny... Ginny. She had just put pajamas at the foot of his bed, and was now leaving the room. Harry turned toward her. He didn't want her to go. But she dimmed the lights and left him alone, shutting the door behind her with a whispered, Sleep well. Harry looked at the closed door, feeling strangely lost. Somehow, he fumbled out of his robes and into the pajamas, then made his way under the covers. He drifted quickly toward another long rest, clinging to the remembered sensation of Ginny, breathing against him, the rise and fall of her. He kept her at the front of his mind, a talisman against all darker thoughts, until sleep rushed over him in a wave, and he passed out completely.